Hey guys, this is Carlos from SeedCamp. Uh, I have Rob Go, co-founder of NextView Ventures with me right now. And we just jumped right into it because we're a little bit time starved. So while I set up, Rob, you know what I'd love to hear? I know that you, you had a history in venture mm -hmm. uh, and I'd love to hear the very, very beginning, the very, very beginning where you went from student to your first job and how that transition happened. Student to my first job yeah, ever? First job ever. What 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 did you study in school and then what did you do right after? I had the very I had a very boring and generic background. I went to a college in the States called Duke University, um, studied economics because I didn't really know what I wanted to do, became a consultant because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I joined a consulting firm here called the Parthenon Group. Um, coincidentally, uh, my wife was there too, and my co-founder of Nextview was also a Parthenon alum as is one or two of our portfolio company founders. So in a weird way, it all came together, even though the decision was completely generic. Wow. Okay. So then you met there and you met a lot of the guys there. You met your wife there, presumably. Mm -hmm. um, and you you kind of, I saw from your bio that you did some product management as yeah, well? Yeah. So then from, from uh, Parthenon, I went to the West Coast in 2003 and joined eBay in a product role. Um, it was an interesting time because uh, it was post the the crash uh, uh, post the the internet bubble popping um, and eBay was one of the few really really robust companies that was there so it was a enormous aggregation of talent in the valley at the time and you know I got to do a job that I was way underqualified to do but it was a fantastic opportunity to be there ultimately came back to the East Coast uh, was in business school here did some uh, product work for some startups in town but then met the guys at Spark Capital uh, and joined them which was my first foray into venture. Um, which I did for a number of years before starting NextView with my partners here. So you did clearly a lot of jumps between, let's mm -hmm. say, consulting, which let's say there's a stigma associated mm -hmm. with consultants, then into product management, then into eBay, which is definitely mm -hmm. more of a startup type environment, mm -hmm. and then into VC fund. Mm -hmm. What would you say the biggest cultural shifts there were for you? How would you describe, for example, the difference between your time at Spark versus the time at eBay in, in, in how management dealt with employees and how flat versus hierarchical and things that you saw work and things that you didn't see work. Yeah, well, you know, uh, VCs and ourselves included are notorious for being um, bad managers. Uh, it's kind of a business where you're very much uh, independent and you're hunting or trying to uh, track down uh, potential investments. And so, you know, contrast that to an operating role where you feel like you're building something every day. You know, I, I always tell people that when you go into venture, uh, it's surprisingly negative because you say no all day long. And uh, uh, it's also negative because you feel like you could be working for six months and walk away having done nothing, right? And making, maybe made no investments or the one investment you did make is, is struggling. Whereas in an operating role, you feel like you're building something, you're moving the ball down the field every single day. And so that's psychologically very, very different. Um, uh, the other thing I would say is that uh, in operating roles, it's it's in venture, it's very lonely, right? Because in a way, you're 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 on you're not often on the same side of the table as the next person. Yeah. Um, but in an operating role, you know, you have your team, you have a mission as a company, and every single day you're trying to inch closer and closer towards an ultimate goal for the business. So that's psychologically very different as well. And and what would you say? How those years shaped your thesis? Like, how would you say that that background, having jumped around from product management to being in a startup and then mm -hmm. being in venture, like before NextView, I want to park the NextView story until a little bit later, but how did that shape your thesis, which is now what you're using at, at, at NextView? Yeah, so um, a couple things. One is, uh, an, I, I'm, I've, also, I've always been kind of a student of 
product development, product design, and um, uh, been able to fortunate to be able to see it in a couple of different contexts. And so I tend to gravitate towards uh, product oriented founders, and I get excited about uh, companies very very early based on the vision of uh, those founders around building products and figuring out how to get scale and 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 serve uh, customers through uh, fantastic products. So that's that's one element element of it. The second element I'd say is. Um, uh, consulting is a very analytical role, uh, and uh, you know, funny enough, I was just talking. To, I'm on a mission to talk to all of these growth experts in a bunch of different companies. And one thing I'm learning actually is that for startups, great growth and marketing people are not marketers; they're um, highly analytical experimenters, right? Which is, um, in terms of uh, my background, what what uh, influences me today. Uh, one is appreciation for product. The second is an appreciation for highly analytical approaches to building startups. That's that is based on uh, um, uh, metrics, testing, and, and having a highly uh, iterative approach. Um, and I think the third is is as at, at Spark, I had both an appreciation for you know the excitement and joy of working with companies really really early. So they Spark uh, invests across multiple stages, um, but uh, had made a couple investments that were very very early stage, like Tumblr, um, and that was something that I was really excited about and wanted to be a part of full time. So in starting Nextview, you know we're hundred percent focused on seed stage investing uh, because that's where my interests lie. So, you know, that's, that's really great. And actually, it's an area that I'm personally exploring as well. And, you know, I think one of the challenges there is, as, a, as an investor, how do you do that? I mean, and, and maybe let me like double down on that question, which is a question sometimes people ask me, mm-hmm. you know, the founders that I work with, it's like, well, you know, why don't you just go and start something mm-hmm. to get that experience? And I don't know if that necessarily is the right reason to do anything, but, but how do you polish yourself in that way? And, and is there a certain feeling of like, maybe through an applied version of it, you would you would really become a, a student turned master in that. How, how, what, what are you thinking around You mean that? around uh, seed stage investing specifically? Yeah, seed stage investing specifically, you know, there's education that you can have third hand, there's working with startups, and then there's starting something and mm-hmm. building it as, mm-hmm. a, as, a, as a means by which to, to get there as well. What, what are yeah. your thoughts on that? So um, I think those are all valid approaches to get into this. Um, I'm fortunate that my two co-founders here have both started companies um, uh, with uh, with success, and so you know, as a team, we definitely have that DNA. Um, I actually think that there's nothing like making investments in early stage companies and doing it at some level of scale to be able to connect patterns between different companies. And so, you know, uh, I think um, whatever means. Uh, f- that that one has to do that, I think just doing it um, helps a tremendous amount. Like there's, it's easy to kind of like stand on the sidelines and write about companies or pontificate about companies. It's a completely different thing to uh, to to commit capital and write a check and know that you're going to live with that decision until things work out great, or most likely things don't work out great and you have to yeah. to deal with it. And you guys have you guys have a lot of experience in this. I mean, we we've jointly done. Two deals together, mm-hmm. GrabCAD, which you know the, the great news about that yep. uh, came out uh, last year, and you know Hardy's done an amazing job mm-hmm. with that company, and then we have Farmeron, mm-hmm. which is a- another great company which measures success in cows in the cloud. Yep, absolutely. Um, and and how how is it that a firm you know based in Boston has had such amazing access to European 
startups and, and how does that play out in, in terms of what you look for? Because clearly those yeah. guys had some product that attracted you. What, what did you see in those guys? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. So, um, you know, we've been fortunate to have a, a nice relationship with SeedCamp and, and uh, a flow of European entrepreneurs. Um, I'd say uh, the vast majority of early stage investments come from referrals from other entrepreneurs. So we met Matia through Hardy. Um, yeah. uh, and uh, uh, you know, some of our other European entrepreneurs was was similar, um, and so you know, I think once you get access to a network like that, and you've shown that you can uh, have some success in as, as an investor, um, it continues to build, and and we really like working with these entrepreneurs. What we found about um, Seed Camp. Uh, the founders that go through seed camp is a couple things. One is they're incredibly scrappy, right? Like they've been able to achieve so much with relatively little capital, um, and they're thinking around corners all the time. Um, it's just part of their DNA, which is really, really exciting. Um, the second is that I find that uh, they are often going after opportunities that are much less obvious in verticals that are much less competitive. Um, you know, mechanical engineering uh, at that point in time wasn't very competitive. Um, farming and agriculture was a very uncompetitive space from a that standpoint and that is just a, a you know it's fantastic for an investor to go um, look at an opportunity in a huge vertical with an underserved um, uh, customer set with extremely scrappy founders who've shown some way to get to market uh, shown you know incredible resourcefulness that's just a great recipe yeah and you know I, I was chatting with some of the founders that mm -hmm. that are here visiting you today and everyone that had a chat with you was really impressed by some of the questions you were asking regarding product and you know it, it's it's funny with regards to your background. Mm -hmm. um, what were those early conversations like with Matia and Hardy regarding uh, their product? How how did you review that? How did you you know? Because one thing is it right. comes in through a qualified introduction. Mm -hmm. Another one is that they have a big market and it's not competitive. But when it comes down to actually what they've done, right? How how did you get your hands dirty there and, and, and look at it from an investor's point of view? Yeah, that's a great example. So uh, a great question. Um, so actually, my partner Lee Hauer uh, internally led both investments uh, for us, um, and it's it's not a uh, it's not a coincidence. So with with GrabCAD, uh, the the thesis there was we had no idea how they were actually going to monetize, um, but what you saw was the beginnings of a vertical network that we knew had value. Very very small scale. Um, the nice thing is that my partner Lee was one of the co-founders of LinkedIn, and so you know that was one of the granddaddy professional vertical networks. And his role there was um, uh, uh, um, sort of marketing analytics and uh, uh, and led that function. So he had a very very strong um, understanding of what early virality looks like for that kind of a service, and was able to dig in very very deeply with with GrabCat and understand. Um, uh, what the trajectory of that community at small scale uh, meant going forward. Yeah. Um, Lee was literally the person, I think there's some old emails on this, where when people people at, at LinkedIn in the early days took bets on what their network size was going to look like, like three months after launch, and he was sort of the, the arbiter of that process, right? Yeah. So you know he'd seen it from the ground up there, and he saw it at, at GrabCAD. Um, with Farmeron, uh, it was a very, very different vertical for us, but it was a business that rhymed very much with another company we'd invested in called Insight Squared mm. um, that had a very similar um, uh, uh, approach and product, um, but for a very different uh, uh, vertical. And so from a product evaluation standpoint, we could actually see a lot of similar parallels, but we had yeah. to do a lot of work to understand, you know, what do the end users actually care about yeah. when we're talking about, you know, dairy farmers, which is something that obviously we don't 
uh, talk about every single day. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, it sounds like there was definitely there some some dig, dig some digging there that mm-hmm. was really, you know, I think that when I when I spoke to the founders after they met you, mm-hmm. they were they were really impressed with NextView, and I think one of the things that came up. Um, when other founders asked was what the Boston equation was, you know, because mm-hmm. NextView is based in, in Boston. <laughs> and so before we jump into the whole question about Boston, New York, Valley, mm-hmm. and all that stuff, maybe it's a, a good chance to step back and actually ask why founding NextView. You know, you were at Spark, mm-hmm. and then you decided, hey, look, I want to start my own venture fund, and obviously you have some amazing uh, co-founders and, and, and equal partners, but what what is the genesis of, of, of a new venture fund, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not always that you get a chance to speak to somebody who started the fund. So mm-hmm. this is a great privilege. What was thinking there? What was like, you know, we really want to start a new fund to do this and how we're going to treat founders mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll try to, to summarize reasonably, uh, succinctly. So. Um, I think number one, we felt like there was an obvious opportunity in the market, right? So there was a gap around high conviction, um, uh, high conviction focused hands-on seed stage investing in the East Coast Um, at a time when Boston had very few seed stage investors. And a lot of the seed stage investors in the East Coast broadly were split between a very broad spray and pray model or doing seed investing as part of a much larger platform. And we thought that was fundamentally not the optimal product for a uh, entrepreneur raising money. And so we said, hey, I think we can build that. Um, so that was sort of, you know, there was an obvious need in the market. Um, uh, the second was, you know, between myself, David, and Lee, we have a very consistent and shared ethos around how we wanted to build a firm and how we wanted to um, interface with entrepreneurs. And so, you know, that's something that we had just known from knowing each other for a long time and yeah. looking at other uh, investment opportunities. Um, and, you know, I really think that when you think about the foundation of a firm beyond the investment strategy or sourcing um, uh, um functions, you know, if we're going to be around for a long, long time, you need to have this shared uh, ethos uh, to propel you and to, to give you a common language. And so, you know, we've, we, we used to have it on our website, but it's concepts like being an invited guest, which is an old Greylock phrase, which means that, you know, we're the invited guests at the entrepreneur's table, not the other way around, um, which a lot of, I, I think, investors uh, uh, miss. Um, a concept called uh, golasso, which is um, obviously a Spanish slang for an imp- improbable, impressive goal in soccer, saying that every investment we make, even though we're a small seed stage investor, needs to have the potential to be industry transforming. Um, uh, uh, and, and, and other concepts like that that really uh, are, are core to, uh, to who we are as a firm. Yeah, I really like the, the password, Golazo. Yes. <laughs> as a Spanish speaker, always yes. amusing Sunday football games. Yes. Um, well, that's great. I mean, it's great to hear that. And I think if we, if we dig back into the original uh, genesis of that question, it was the Boston New York Valley connection. Mm-hmm. And, you know, many founders, um, when they, they come and they meet Boston VCs, and, and some of them obviously have been around for, mm-hmm. for a while since a lot of the East Coast investing mm-hmm. uh, originated in Boston. Mm-hmm. What, what's that scene been like evolving? How has it changed over the years? And, and what would be the sales line for Boston over, let's say, New York, at least if we're going to just talk about it in terms of East Coast, and then right. perhaps... East Coast, West Coast. What's yeah. your take on that? So um, uh, let me comment on uh, the 
sort of what's changed or what the evolution's like. Yeah. You know, historically, Boston uh, venture and Boston tech is, is, Boston's been a center of technology and innovation for a long, long time, obviously. Um, and it's, you know, some of the earliest venture capital firms got their start here. And so there's a huge history um, of great companies uh, uh, having been started in Boston. Um, I think what you saw was that there was a little bit of a lost generation um, post the, uh, the the internet bubble, where there was a lot of um, hesitation, or I should say, like conservative behavior among both founders and uh, and investors in this market, and who who were trying to go back to doing like the tried and true thing, right? Like back a enterprise software or a telecom entrepreneur who'd done it before, who could reliably do it again, um, uh, raise big rounds of financing up front, like things like that. And that playbook didn't really work very well in an internet um, and cloud-based world. Um, and so you saw a loss of uh, great opportunities, right? Like companies like Dropbox that originated here, um, Facebook, obviously, but but others, right? The founders of Airbnb were in this area uh, before they joined YC, um, uh, things like that. And so I think there's, in the last six or seven years, you've seen a big resurgence in this market as there's been a generational shift in a lot of the firms um, as uh, the thinking among the the community as a whole has changed you know it's much more collaborative than it used to be um, and uh, I'd, I'd say Boston's really on the rise so in terms of the the sales pitch of Boston relative to other other areas um, I would say a couple things one is there's an endless river of talent in Boston especially in the technical side um, to build a great large-scale company in Boston that requires a large number of uh, great technical talent um, uh, is is quite doable here and quite hard to do in almost any other um, uh, city. Um, and you've seen it over and over again because you see these companies that that get to really really significant scale hiring hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, uh, so that's 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 something that you can do in Boston that you can't do in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, second I'd say is that Boston is really a center of excellence for certain categories. Um, uh, uh, for example, um, travel. You know, we have TripAdvisor and Kayak, which both had significant operations here and, and are two of the largest uh, travel-based uh, companies in the world. Um, uh, eco- it's so cold here, that's why. Yeah, everyone wants to get out of here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Huge amount of knowledge around travel, um, uh, Zipcar as well. You know, huge amount of knowledge around uh, SaaS. Uh, vertical SaaS and marketing uh, software specifically, um, a huge concentration around uh, uh, IoT and and robotics. You know between Kiva Systems and, and a number of other successful companies here. Having um, MIT around the corner, right? Helps. Having MIT around the corner helps. Um, you know Bolt is a uh, accelerator here in Boston that was called on by YC to to help to partner with them on all their hardware hardware and uh, e-commerce as well, right? So you know Wayfair is. Uh, you know, three billion dollar market cap or something, two two billion dollar plus market cap company, um, uh, founded and built here. A uh, huge amount of talent around e-commerce in this market as well. And so you're starting to see these great pillar companies. Oh, I, I almost forgot. You know, when you think about uh, advertising and mobile advertising uh, specifically, a, a bunch of interesting companies there. Um, so you know, you have these great centers of excellence that, coupled with the endless river of talent, make for a really really great ecosystem. No, that's, that's great. I mean, that's a very good angle on, on sort of how Boston has evolved. And do you feel that New York has stolen some of the thunder? 
Yeah, I think, you know, New York has really come into its own. I think it's been really fantastic to see. Um, uh, uh, Similarly, there's some great centers of excellence there, too, that in some cases tend to be quite different uh, than than the Boston market. Um, But, you know, we make probably 40% of our investments uh, in in New York. Um, So it's a very, it's a market that's very accessible. Um, I think that there's a lot of collaboration that could be done between the two companies, uh, between the two uh, geographies, (laughs) I should say. uh, you know, I think it's uh, it may have stolen some of Boston's thunder because of the rapid rise in mm. sheer volume of companies, especially consumer-facing companies, which yeah. tend to have uh, the mind share. Um, and so, uh, I, I think that 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 certainly uh, has been the case. But I think both markets are great, and we're active in both markets. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, um, we always like to uh, wrap things up with a chance for you to shamelessly plug anything other than obviously next to you, which is amazing. <laughs> but you can shamelessly plug anything you want, uh, you know, whether it's a, a cause or a charity or, or any kind of um, uh, event that you guys sponsor or that you, you guys hold or perhaps a, a, a company of yours whose product you're really passionate about that you'd love for more people to know about. Uh, this is very kind. I, I cannot plug a, a company because we love them all. Yeah. Um, gosh, what what is the what does the audience tend to look like for for this podcast? Well, it's it's mostly founders who are dialing in from all over the world um, and want to learn a little bit more about uh, how investors and other founders are doing things. Uh, I've, I've looked at stats recently, and ironically, we have uh, some people coming in from Switzerland and, mm-hmm. and from Portugal and from places that you know we travel to, but you know it, there is actually quite a demand for, for some of the content. Right. Of course, the UK and the US, um, mm-hmm. so it's a mix, um, yeah. and, and I think anything, um, we were visiting uh, Gotham, uh, and uh, Lucas from uh, mm-hmm. from Gotham plugged his CTO summit. Yeah. Uh, so I just doubled down on plugging his CTO summit. Uh, but yeah, if you have any other, uh, so you know we we create a lot of uh, content that we hope is helpful to seed stage founders. Yeah. So I guess what I do is I I, I plug our blog, uh, our my individual blog robgo.org, um, but specifically our firm has a blog called A View from Seed, which is um, a collection of um, interviews and in-depth content that is specifically focused on seed stage founders. And, and we're trying to do like very, very in-depth things. For example, we did a uh, sort of seed stage founders guide to content marketing that was very, very extensive. Um, we b- have put together um, templates for board meetings um, for a seed stage founder, so specific to that stage. Yeah. Um, we publish a bunch of content there. We're actually about to start a podcast as well that is uh, focused on um, on early stage non-scalable traction tactics. Yeah. Um, so you know, check out a view from Seed, and uh, I think that hopefully it'll be helpful for the uh, the listeners to the show. Cool. Well, you heard it there, guys. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch up soon. Bye. Great. Thank you.